This is an Area Code podcast. Hi, I'm Amy Simmons. And I'm Crispin Mayfield. And welcome to the Attached to the Invisible podcast. Welcome back to the Attached to the Invisible podcast. Wanted to give you a heads up. We're in the middle of a two-part episode on anxious, ambivalent, preoccupied attachment. In the first episode, Amy and I talked about some of the generalities about this attachment strategy. In this episode, we're going to talk about what this attachment strategy means for our spirituality and our relationship to God. We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us at attachedpdx at gmail.com. And you can find me on Twitter, K underscore underscore Mayfield. Or you can search for Crispin Mayfield. And we would love to hear anything that's going through your mind as you're processing and engaging with this model. Thanks for listening. I think that's a great launching pad, right? Of right. if we if we take on a Christian theology to talk about God and attachment. Okay, if we believe God's like up in the world, right? And God's mm-hmm. moving through other people and all of these things, which makes like working towards healing people's attachments like holy mm-hmm. work, which is a beautiful way to think about it, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but also like Jesus coming as a manifest person, like physical body can release oxytocin, like we uh-huh. can connect. Um, that's a powerful message about how God intends to relate to us, mm-hmm. right? Um, which maybe there's a, there's a conversation to be had prior to what we think God at- intends to do, because that's the more positive end of things mm-hmm. about how... So we've talked about how people develop anxious attachment strategies with mm-hmm. humans. Mm-hmm. I think an overwhelming amount of the evangelical and Catholic church... Um, have anxious attachment styles to God, right? When we talk mm-hmm. about people who like constant, I, I've experienced this, right? Constantly mm-hmm. feel guilty mm-hmm. about the way they're interacting because you're kind of not um, meeting the mark. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I think that very like emotional experience, which I don't know if any of you out there were also taught that not meeting the mark was what sin was, which mm-hmm. is a wild, I... Don't email me about where the theology of that comes from. I know. But what a wild thing to teach kids is that, like, any failure is sin is essentially mm-hmm. the way that's going to get translated through through a simpler lens. Right. Um, yeah. So you're constantly, you're the one who's not doing it, which mm-hmm. we've talked about with attachment and God is the strangeness of right. with, you know, straightforward attachment theory it's, well, the parental figure kind of holds the responsibility for creating right. that attachment. But in our theology, even though God is the parental figure, it's our job mm-hmm. to foster the attachment, which is exactly what anxious attachment is, right? Right, yeah, totally. You're constantly having to monitor, are we okay, are we okay, are we okay? And I'm the one who needs to make sure we're okay. That is all on me. Uh-huh. But we're taught it explicitly in the church mm-hmm. at times. Um, and that's such an... Interesting, because, like, 
some of us certainly had parents who like gave us explicit messaging. Uh (laughs) It's your job to make sure everything's okay. Um, but in the church, it's like, what, that's what we're taught is the holy thing, right? Mm -hmm. You're a bad person. You're a sinner. You're, um, fill in all the words you possibly could. If you're not the one fostering an attachment Uh that doesn't look like or get experienced in the way we're taught in any human way. Right. Because actually like secure attachment with God would be, well, maybe if we actually like, I mean, there's a whole conversation there. Maybe we should do a whole episode on what a secure attachment with God looks like. Yeah, I think we will. Um, (laughs) What I think about is there's uh, this term in attachment literature is proximity seeking behaviors. Oh, I right? like that. Yeah. Proximity seeking behaviors is if I need to get close to my parent, what do I do? And all yeah. mammals do this. Yeah. Right? Babies cry. Um, and that's what we do as mammals. Like we want to yeah. get close to our attachment figures. And what we do is we want to be close to God. Yeah. And so much language in the church is about being close or far from God. Yeah. Right? So what do you, you like, what does it mean to be far from God? Right? That means, or you've walked away from God. Yes. Right? So what do you think? What are ways that, how do you stay close to God? Me personally or no, a person? According, um, according to like what you were told growing oh, up. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. So, so I was what like, like proximi- <laughs> what proximity seeking behaviors were you taught given? To, to do? Yeah. One of the uh, many metaphors, right? And we've talked about this and it'll be interesting to talk about this more as we keep going. But Christian theology particularly exists on metaphors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we don't believe in a like hey there that guy's god right and so it's all metaphorical and i remember and i remember fostering anxiety about this for many Mm. years of the idea of like well like your relationship with god is like a conveyor belt if it's not getting closer it's getting farther away Mm -hmm. um Wow. So the conveyor Uh, belt is going the other direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like an escalator. You're running up. And I remember always thinking, like, what? Okay. Like, just. (laughs) So that's a huge one, right? We talk Mm -hmm. about, like, oh, you need to, like, read your Bible every day or do a devotion. Um, You need to always go to church. I still, as a person who's, like, taking intentional breaks from church in order to deal with this anxiety, when I'm a person who's regularly going to church, I still feel anxious if I miss Mm -hmm. a week. Mm -hmm. Um, Because there's a, and it's not even because I think God cares notably Mm -hmm. but i like actively i just it's a body sensation Uh that's built in and i'm personally am a pastor's kid um so there was a certain level of like being engaged and like servant-hearted that was a really Mm -hmm. big thing in my growing up environment right of like you can't just be a person who comes and sits in the pews was a message that i latched onto at about seven Mm -hmm. um so i started Mm -hmm. going with my dad when he went early to church, I would go and I set up all the chairs. I was our mm-hmm. our setup team, um, and it's like that's that's fine. Like I wasn't, I was a very eager to please child, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of that I think is my temperament. A lot of that I think is other stuff, um, and so for a long time I was thought about that as well. That's I'm I'm an eager to please person. I want to be mm-hmm. loved and lovable, and. Mm-hmm. So that's why I interact with God that way. And then you start to think on some of the messaging. Um, I don't know. What are some of the things that you feel like you were taught about 
proximity seeking behaviors to God. Yeah, I think uh, what, yeah, there's obviously the behaviors. um, And I think a lot of um, is sin separates you from God. Oof, yes. Right, is what we're told. Um, And so, therefore, like if you have, if you've sinned, right, then you are far from God. There's something in the way. Yes. You can't get to him in the way that you need. Sin keeps us from God. Right, exactly. And what a lot of times, even though, like, kind of logically we know, like, Jesus paid the price, so I'm forgiven, at least for me, there was a lot of, like, but I don't I don't feel close, so I must, there, there yes. must still be sin there that's keeping me from God because mm-hmm. I don't feel close. Mm-hmm. And so then it's like confess again or like try really, really hard this time to really repent. Yep. Right? Um, so I think a lot of it is like you have to feel a certain way in order to get close to God. Yeah. And I think that that's a particularly evangelical theology around mm-hmm. relating to God. Um I think a lot of Catholic theologies would be a little more um, kind of like tangible, right? Like you, right. you, there is, you are always sinning. There is a barrier. You go, you confess, you're close now. Mm-hmm. Um, and how you feel about it is less right mm-hmm. related. Um, whereas in evangelical theologies, which are what we were both raised in, um, there is so much of this like, touchy feeliness that's also not touchy feeling right yeah well it really is um and I, i'm doing some work uh, around this some writing and stuff um that in a lot of church history um being a christian means on some level showing up at church partaking in communion being yep. part of the community Right? Oh, communion's an important one. Right. And it's sort of like pass-fail. Like, yeah. you do it or you don't. Yeah. But in evangelical church, we're like, those are dead, the, you know, dead traditions. Yep. Uh, we want this real personal relationship with God, which I think has its benefits for sure. But that also means that your how you are with God is dependent on how close you feel to God. And if some of that, like how secure I am with God is based on previous attachments or the theology I've been given. Yeah. Uh, really like your sense of being close is being kind of, um, like created in your right hemisphere. Okay. Which is like a pretty, like, that's really different than just like, Oh yeah. Like I took communion. Right. I'm like part of this church. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, (laughs) So this this is important to me theologically, um, is and sort of hit on this earlier, but it's important to me theologically to think about God's presence as inherent to community. Mm-hmm. Um, as a person who has taken breaks from church, mm-hmm. that's been something that's drawn me back, mm-hmm. is to recognize my experience of God in you. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think in terms of earned attachment with God, that theology has borne a lot of fruit for me Mm -hmm. in feeling less anxious, right? Mm -hmm. If I am, right, loved and lovable, I'm here, um, we're good, and I can see that and I can feel that, um, then I can have a sense that that's also true of God. Um, Mm -hmm. I remember 
praying a prayer at some point. I wish I remembered what the situation was. I think I've come back to this one a few times of being like, listen, God, if you're trying to tell me something, tell that person. Because uh-huh. I'm not, he- I can't hear you. Or right. I hear you and I don't, I'm not ready to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. So you tell them. Uh, and that's honestly like born fruit for me at times mm-hmm. because if I can trust another person's, mm-hmm. if I can trust that God is with and speaking to another person, then I can trust that he's here and moving, right? right Even yeah. when I'm not feeling it super mm-hmm. in depth. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I've had times where I'm like, it's really hard to believe that God loves me or likes me. Um, but I can think about my friend Mark. Yeah. Um, and just like bringing him to mind mm-hmm. is like, okay, well, I can I can trust that God is actually more loving than Mark. So oh, yeah. if I can use Mark as like <laughs> a, as a starting point, that's great. I like then, that. Yeah, right. And and kind of then rationalizing like, all right, well, then this view of God that I have that doesn't like me probably like isn't a true picture of God. Yeah. And we talk very little about God liking us or not. Yes. Um, well, what if he doesn't? I literally have been in a <laughs> like uh, sort of small group where yeah. we were talking about like the idea of God delighting in us. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, being pleased with us. And someone was like someone who, um, went to John Piper's church. So sort of on that side of, uh, theology was like, but what if he doesn't? And it's like, uh, well, you just confirmed my worst fears. Which is interesting because, I, I wonder what the cultural moment that that theology comes out of. Because if you track Christian theology or if you've been a student of evangelical Christian theology at all, you will be able to always see that it's following patterns right. of culture mm-hmm. just some years behind as you might be <laughs> yes. actively experiencing at the moment. Um, and I wonder what that one is. Um, what the, like being liked is not valuable. Right. Um, I remember being taught that it was vanity as a kid to mm. want to be liked. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought about myself as a person who didn't want to be liked, but I constantly had behaviors that were making sure other people liked me. Right. Uh, <laughs> so it's funny to think about like yeah. times when I was like, I don't care if anybody likes me. That's right. hilarious. Yeah. Um, I super do. Right. But yeah, that's such an interesting thing. Of, yeah. Like, well, what is, right. What if he doesn't? It's like, well, I actually think that being liked is a human need. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe that's a little wild and maybe that's a little like too woo-woo for for our audience out there. But um, I really like – this is something that I, I work on with um, anytime I'm training a new staff mm-hmm. on my team is I tell them, I'm like, you find a way to like that kid. Mm-hmm. Even the kid who drives you crazy, you need to find something you like because, again, teenagers are like radars for human behavior, and they know you don't like them, mm-hmm. and they don't want to be around you if you don't like them, so you can't do anything. It doesn't matter if you love them. If you don't like them, that matters. If if your wife didn't like you, that would super matter. Right. Even if she loves you, it super matters that she yes. likes you. Yes. So it's wild that we have taken that out of our relationship with God or we like thought about God as, as a deity who's not interested in liking us, right? right? Like our human expression is imagery of his expression Mm -hmm. or her expression or their expression. Mm -hmm. 
Right. Right. Like yeah. that's that's what we're reflecting. So like, if I can like people, God sure shoot can. Right. Yeah. Yeah, um, my friend Jeffrey Ulrich um, and his wife Amy are writing a book um, soon um, called, I think, Six Things uh, Every Kid Needs. Um, And Jeffrey is super rad because he, like, studied, uh, like, I think he studied under the people that studied under uh, Mary Ainsworth. Oh, nice. Who came up with these, right? But he looked at... um, uh, he did some, some research and one of the things that he found is like kids need, uh, parents to be responsive. Yeah. Uh, but their number one need for secure attachment is delight to be delighted in. Yeah. Right. And that's the thing that I think is often missing in the church is like, does God actually delight in me mm-hmm. or does he just want me for a cause? Um, he needs your hands. He needs your feet. Right. Um, I want utilitarian God. Right. I think one thing that comes up a lot. For me that I, growing up was like in with my, you know, uh, ambivalent attachment is like, it's like God has saved you so that he can redeem you. So he's going to like turn you into this perfect person in the future that he likes. Not you. Mm -hmm. Yes. But it doesn't actually, it's like the me now, he doesn't actually like, he's just like sort of like makeover (laughs) boyfriend. Storing me away until he gets time for a DIY weekend project. Right, Uh, exactly. Which then actually (laughs) makes me feel worse about myself. Oh my gosh, right? Right, yeah. (laughs) Right, it's sort of like, yeah. Awful. Yeah, so, yeah, I think there is definitely this need to be liked. And then this ambivalence with God comes up, right? Where I know for me, it's like... Years of like, I'm trying to get your approval. I'm trying to keep you close mm-hmm. by doing the right thing, by behaving rightly, by doing the things you want me to do, by trying to find out what your will is for my mm-hmm. life and doing that. And then after a while, you're like, I am working really hard and I'm so tired of working at this. Yeah. And I wish that I didn't have to like be perfect all the time mm-hmm. just to have you near me. Yeah. And there is no neurobiological payout in attachment to God in the way that we've chosen to design it theologically, right? In mm-hmm. in Western Christian theologies, um, that that thing that mm-hmm. we're okay uh-huh. and like let me hug you and we're good and I can show you we're good right. doesn't happen because we don't interact with a tangible God, right? Yeah, there's no reassurance. That's that's not happening right. with the strategies that we've been taught to get to. Now, if mm-hmm. we go back into like a more communal theology, right? Mm-hmm. And I can go, I'm good here. I'm loved here. I can experience love and acceptance in this space mm-hmm. that is centered around the Almighty, right? right? Then I can start to experience some of this more tangible mm-hmm. and like biological, physical right. uh, response mm-hmm. that reworks those pathways. Mm-hmm. Um, but if the, the way that we're taught to pursue secure attachment to God is Bound for failure, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it is this like I need to continually work hard, right? Mm-hmm. So if I stop working, then I can't trust that you're going to mm-hmm. be around. There's no way to test that theory. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Because in so many ways, that's the only 
way to do it, right? Right. The only way to stop having a relationship with, again, like an invisible God is Mm -hmm. to stop striving for it. Right. Right. Is is to choose to experience Mm -hmm. acceptance and comfort, which it will inevitably be very uncomfortable um, and feel very unaccepting for a long time. Mm -hmm. So then to stick with something that has no one tangibly being like, we're good. I promise you we're still good. Uh Right. Cause it's not like, you know, you stopping cleaning the house and your partner being like, no, it's okay. I still love Mm -hmm. you. Even though you're not cleaning the house, we're good. We are doing this together. Even Mm -hmm. though we are doing it together. Our experience of it is is so different, and there's all of this. It's we're just taught it in this mm-hmm. really odd way that mm-hmm. makes it so hard to break out of. Right. Yeah. And then our evangelical community then can reinforce that, right? Oh yo yo Amy, blah, blah, blah. I noticed that you didn't come to church last Sunday. Are you are you becoming far from God? Yes. <laughs> right. Holy smokes! I was talking to someone. I was having a conversation with someone about kind of doing some of this important work of of having more integrity inside mm. of a spiritual community, uh-huh. which I think fosters um, secure attachment, right? Because mm-hmm. I think we cannot have secure attachment right. if we're hiding the ugly portions of ourselves, yes. right? If I'm hiding, and I think this becomes very true with God, mm-hmm. of if I'm trying to glisten up, shine right. up, or hide from my spiritual community mm-hmm. all the things about myself that some would argue are unacceptable, mm-hmm. then I can never experience secure attachment with God because right. I've been, I've been hiding it from, from him. Right. Um, even though I know he can see every, whatever we get right. into all of that, yeah. but we, no, no, we Jesus are. hides it for you. Yes. That's right. We're, hi- we're kind of hiding behind him. That's in the literally throne what room. we're told is My like, gosh. <laughs> is like Jesus' blood hides, hides, hides the, you. the parts of you that would scare God off. Oh, who right. so what a little view of God. Right, yeah. So so <laughs> I wanna the thing that got me first thinking about attachment and theology is I was reading this book called um, Becoming Attached by Robert Cairn, and he says kids with insecure attachment, they just we continually see this, especially kids with like severe attachment trauma. Yeah have this feeling like there's something at their core yes. that is disgusting, um, that is repulsive, that drives people away. Yeah, it's the right. implicit lesson from their experience. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, like, it will, um, like, uh, then Dr. Karen Purvis, uh, a different Dr. Karen, uh, talked <laughs> about, like, working with kids uh, in, in uh, foster care. And mm-hmm. she's like, they'll say things like, I feel all black inside. Yeah. Um, I had a client recently that he's like, I, it's like this black ink that's just going to get on anyone who gets close to me. And it's just heartbreaking. And really what resolves that is the belief that like you're all you're totally lovable. You're yes. whole like whatever it is inside of you, like that's not gonna drive me away. I'm here. I actually mm-hmm. like even the parts that you don't really like about yourself, I still accept you. Yes. Right? But here's the thing. Uh are you familiar with the wordless book? No. So the wordless book <laughs> was this evangelistic tool um where there's five different colors. Okay. 
And um, oh yes, and I think we had f- bracelets up. Yes, it. right. And, yes, and so the first oh, one boy. is black because uh-huh. your heart is black with sin. Yeah. By the way, let's also talk about how white supremacy. Um, <laughs> just like pop that in. Right. There. I just want to yeah. acknowledge no. that, like talking about darkness and spiritually darkness, has done horrible things to our culture. Um, I mean, so- there were entire theology. I think this was mainly a Mormon theology, but entire theology. Well, no, that's not true. There were also right. evangelical theologies, particularly around like Native American folks that were like, right. the color of your skin is a direct reflection of your moral, state. your your moral standing, right. which is. Yeah. Very important whew. to put that in yeah. there. Um, but so this wordless book is, yeah, starting with this idea of like your heart is black and because your heart is black. God can't stand to be near you. Oy. And here's the thing, um, is that the first person, I think it was Spurgeon? Could be. Could be. Sounds like him. <laughs> uh, there was an evangelist, a famous evangelist um, in the 1800s who first used this. And he uh, used it. Um, he went to uh, this church, this huge cathedral, and they brought kids in from orphanages all over London. So his first time presenting this was to all these kids with severe attachment trauma. And he was like, everybody resonated. They like totally could feel the sin in their heart. Oh my goodness. And you're like, oh, actually that wasn't sin. That was attachment trauma. Which then means, like, this idea of, like, I have to get rid of this feeling, right, of, like, (laughs) shame. I have to stop feeling shame in order to be acceptable by God. Right, exactly. And it's, like, this idea of, like, there, yes, you you know, the the shame says there's this part of you that makes you unlovable, that makes you repulsive. And evangelical theology has said, yes, that's totally true, and we need to get rid of that if we're if we're going to actually connect with our caregiver, with God, right? Which is oh boy, like the exact opposite in of of secure attachment. And actually, like this happens a lot. We'll talk more. This this happens with both people, but uh, I mean, anxious and avoidant. But a lot of times, if you grew up in a home where like feelings led to disconnection, your parents yeah. like stop feeling. Then it then it's like there's all this stuff inside that is repulsive about me and I need to get rid of it if I'm going to like get connected. (laughs) Which is a a deep irony to walk around with the idea that I need to not have feelings in order to connect with another person. Right. Yeah. Which is, yeah, totally like this approach that we often take with God. Mm -hmm. Um, And that can be an anxious, ambivalent, um, strategy. The other one is to just be like, here's all the horrible things about me, God. Yes. Right. But that also reinforces, like, there's something about me, there's something about me that is totally unlovable, and I need you to love me even though I'm unlovable. Yes. Which is not the same as secure attachment. Secure attachment is like, I know that I'm lovable. Like, and I know that we're good. I just keep coming back to what an incredibly small view of God we're teaching. Mm -hmm. Right? With, if we... (laughs) Anything that we imply God can't handle. And people will say it, right? They'll throw mm-hmm. in the like. It's not that God can't handle it. It's right. just that, I don't know, he hates you for it? Like, right. what are we... Yeah. Um, God has wrath, so therefore, um, this is all warranted. Um, it's just such a... 
right. and interesting just seems a lot more sinful to me than not reading your Bible every day, but mm-hmm. yeah, who, I who was, am I? <laughs> <laughs> I was doing some research um, recently because I'm uh, speaking on this at, at my church in a couple of weeks. Um, but I found a, an article on crosswalk.com, um, three ways to stay close to God. So got some proximity seeking there. Um, we don't need to worry about that part. What we need to worry (laughs) about is here are the things that, um, we're taught that keeps God away from us. Oh, is that how they say it? Yeah. She says, here are things that keep, uh, things that keep him close and things that keep him far. Going gangbuster on family activities. What? Uh, <laughs> planting my face on TV, iPhone, or iPad. Okay. Driving like a routine robot on a schedule. What? Expecting things to happen. <laughs> That's one of the things. <laughs> oh no, oh it's, no, oh no. Right. Which, oh, I was no. thinking about that, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have so much power. All I have to do is expect something to happen and God, like, goes away. Y- yeah. Which is exactly, I know wow. I'm making a joke, but that actually is like, if you're a kid with ambivalent attachment, it's like, I can't figure out. Like, sometimes my parent is here and sometimes not. And I'm trying so hard to figure out what what are the behaviors that keep them close yeah, and what drives them away. So I'm going to try to not cry because that drives them away. Or I'm going to cry a lot because that brings them close. Or I'm going to, uh, I should clarify, expecting things to happen and then getting frustrated when they don't. That's another item on the list. Because God is not patient with your frustration. No. Allowing anxiety. It drives God away, which is the exact... Holy smokes. That's the exact time that you need God is when you're feeling anxious. But if it drives him away, then... And I, and I think a lot of this comes from a lot of the current frustrations we're having with attachment and um, evangelical theologies is very based in like Puritan movements and right. fundamentalism, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that teach this idea of acceptability, right? Mm-hmm. Is kind of a key tenet of some of those those theological things. Right. Um, that are A, very new for those of you who are like, well, F Christian theology then, right? Uh-huh. Those are those are pretty recent ideas. They're just what we're way up in the f- fray of. Um, mm-hmm. And then also <laughs> I'm still reeling about some of those. Um, <laughs> is oh man, I don't know. Those are so wild. Yeah, actually, what the other thing that got me thinking about this was Christian hardcore, which oh. I listened to a lot <laughs> when I was a teenager. Yeah, you did. Um, and it there's a there maybe not a lot in there. Maybe just the bands that I listen to. But I remember hearing this song, and it's sort of like a worship song, right? It goes like, I want to see your eyes, I want to feel your love, which hand should I cut off? And it's this idea... I've been scowling at Kristen right. as, he, as he recounts a lot of these things. I know this is an audio medium, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, another one was, hold me close, wash my mind, destroy the me that lives inside. Oh, so yeah, that I- was a big one. Right. So it's this idea of, like, if I'm going to get close to God, I actually have to, like become a different person or hate myself or like get rid of this, you know, this shadowy part of myself. Yeah. And I think that that's a huge like youth group message Mm -hmm. is you like you, you you bad, right? Like (laughs) you bad. Mm -hmm. Um, 
right. he teaches so much at like purity retreats and like worship nights and like just lay yourself down, right? right? Um, mm-hmm. And pick up. I've. It took me a long time to start hearing theology. I think I probably was in Oregon by the time I heard anyone talking about the idea that like there was a version of me God wanted instead mm. of just it's basically it's not me. Mm-hmm. And the only thing worthwhile that I ever do is when I'm reflecting Christ. Mm-hmm. That's the only time I'm worth anything. Right, yeah. Um, which is an intense set of messaging to not break right. out of until 18. Um, yeah, and that's uh, fits with a narcissistic family dynamic yep. where, like, you're only valuable if you reflect positively on the family. Which is v- a very um, poignant way to talk about the way we've structured an evangelical family metaphor with God as father, mm-hmm. right? right. Um, and we're always looking to, to how I'm trying to remember my like family system stuff here, but we have Jesus as like all-star kid, uh-huh. right? right yeah. uh, the church is codependent mom. Like we're, <laughs> we're, this is totally right. fits and we're whatever, like we're whatever mm-hmm. pick from all of the other negative options you can be. Scapegoat. Yeah. Scapegoat. I mean like that's, in there theologically, but maybe <laughs> yeah. we should use it a little different. Um, yeah. And, and we do like, we talk about it like, well, God will be angry mm-hmm. if you don't do what he wants you to do, mm-hmm. which is like God created us and was around at the fall. If you believe that that was a historical event. So like, he's not surprised by <laughs> right. you wilding out at this point. Like he's not like, I think so much more about a parent who's like, <laughs> if you go to a party and you can't get home, just call me, uh-huh. right? Like, right. I won't be mad. Just call me. I want you to be safe. Mm-hmm. The most important thing to me is not that you right. do the right thing. It's that you're safe because I love you. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not, we teach that we have to beg forgiveness from right. a God who's already forgiven us. Right. Yeah. Right. Who's already, who's already actively reconciling with mm-hmm. us. Um, and so I think when we get into how do we have earned attachment with God, it starts to hinge on this idea that he is the pursuer, mm-hmm. um, that yeah. God is moving towards us mm-hmm. um, rather than with anxious attachment, that, that habitual trying to move towards mm-hmm. trying to, to proximity seeking behaviors, right. uh, that God's in proximity already yeah. done. Mm-hmm. Like that's sorted. Proximity is sorted. Mm-hmm. Um, but how we actually do that, um, kind of take hold of that idea and start to accept it, mm-hmm. um, is maybe something that you can comment on because I think that that's an interesting catch yeah. twenty two always of of anxious attachment. Right. Uh-huh. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I think um, yeah, one thing is like reflecting on. Uh, scripture was really important to me because I grew up with this idea that sin separates us from God. Yes. And I think I talked in our first episode about uh, Cain kills Abel, God shows up. Moses, uh, yeah. you know, kills a man, goes in the desert, finds God. Jacob, like, cheats Esau, like, <laughs> sees God. So I think we decided that if you want to meet God, you kill someone. Yeah. Um, Effective. Right, yes. Um, and then also like looking at the cross, right? Like we as humankind do our very worst to God. Yeah. 
And then he comes back and he's like, peace be with you. Which is like, if we think about that from that ambivalent, like, are we okay? Yeah. Are we okay? He's like, yes, we are okay. Like, We are okay. Yeah. Like, you can't do anything um, that is going to rupture this relationship. Yeah. Right? That's, that's really good. Yeah. Uh. But I think the other thing, one thing that was helpful for me, um, and I don't know if it will be helpful for you, but... I mean, you know, listeners, because um, this was kind of like specific, but there's this guy that I love, uh, Brad Jerzak, who actually, um, if you look up the Gospel of Chairs, um, it intersects here because he looks at like what, uh, how we've taught the gospel in evangelicalism in terms of chairs. Like, I turn my chair away from God and then he turns his chair away from me. Huh. <laughs> and he's like, it's more like God, we turn our chair away from God and he like runs around and plants his chair <laughs> yeah, like, right in front say. of us. <laughs> um, and we can try to run, but yeah. he's going to keep running after us. Um, but he just said, like in one of his talks, he was like, if... If you are having a moment with Jesus and there's any judgment, then that's not the real Jesus. Mm. And it just, like, I could feel my body relax. Yeah. And be like, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I want you close, but I also don't want you disappointed me all, in, all the time with my, yeah. like, sinful heart. And yeah. just be like, oh. And so um, that, yeah, for me it's been a lot of, like, getting, like, Finding people that I um, trust that, like, can have a bigger view of God. Yeah. Right? Um, there's an author that I love, Padraig Otuma, um, and he tells a story. And it's about, like, Mary, mother of Jesus. Okay. And it's about his mom. But the parallel, or the, 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 the point of the story basically is, like, God can handle you not trusting him. Yes. Which I love. Like, God can handle anything. God can handle, like, at one point he talks about how uh, Eve, or Adam blames Eve, right? Mm -hmm. Which is essentially blaming God. And he's just like, I figure God can handle blame. And that's, yeah. like, so different than, like, the evangelical upbringing, like, don't offend God. Like, yes. Don't, you know? And, yeah, I think he's not... He's not so easily offended. He's not so easily scared off by the things that we think are going to scare him off. And he's not so proud. Like, I, not not right. in the sense that, like, well, God screws up, too, so he gets mm -hmm. it. Because I don't think that that's true. Um, but at the same time, I think you once said to me of, like, God can handle us being disappointed in him. Mm -hmm. um, and that really moved me because mm -hmm. of this idea of, like, yeah, because be, me being disappointed has nothing to do with whether you were right or wrong. It's just how I feel about your choice. Mm -hmm. I'm disappointed in stuff all the time that I'll later be like, yeah, and that was the right thing, and it was still disappointing. It still mm -hmm. sucked. It was still frustrating. Right. Um, I think for me, something that's been really powerful is to gently and wisely um, test the waters of my spiritual community to find mm. those places that mm -hmm. I can show up fully with my doubt and with my questions and with mm. my anger um, and have that tangible human experience mm -hmm. of, but you're good, mm -hmm. right? But it it requires some wisdom and some time of building out knowing who those people are. Because right. um, I think about the friend that I was talking about that I had spoken to and we, we were having a conversation about it being like, yes, 
I think it's important for you to like do this and have integrity and share these stories. And we're Mm -hmm. talking about something that this person and I are agreed we don't think is a sin issue, but a church might. um, Mm -hmm. And going like, yes, talk to those people. Know that this is the way that you're going to get received in that and make sure you have people who you know will receive you in it and love too. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that someone thinking something's sin means they're not receiving you in love. That's not what I mean to imply. Um, but, right, yeah. the how are you going to and, – and the power of being like, honestly, I think it's a really powerful experience to be mm-hmm. able to have someone who's – I'm, this wasn't what we were talking about, but take like smoking weed, right? Uh-huh. We're in Oregon. It's legal here. Right. Lots of Christians still think it's not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, just like lots of Christians think drinking is not okay, but it's a right. hotter debate to talk about weed. Um, and you might have someone who's like, yeah, I don't think this is a sin issue and it's okay that you do this. Mm-hmm. And someone who's going, yeah, I do think this is a sin issue. Mm-hmm. And you're okay, and we're okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, People can disagree with your actions and still be accepting of you. Um, But we've built so much fear into our interactions with God and therefore the church that I actually think doing attachment healing with the church can do a lot of attachment healing with God. Mm -hmm. Um, So finding those spaces that we can kind of work that out with our our human spiritual community. Yeah. I think for me... um Thinking of images, uh, so for one thing, to get nerdy for a minute, right? Um, the you know our so much of our attachment uh, system is sort of exists uh, in our right hemisphere, uh, which is not logical. It's not linear, right? It's it's uh, it's emotions, it's body, it's images, and so for me, like having images of God that I can cling to. So if there's something that's like, oh, I really, like this this image of God is really calming or soothing, right? And I just like cling on to that. It's just a weird thing, but I just have had this vision of God as like the Loch Ness Monster. Okay. Which sounds weird. I'm but, ready. <laughs> yeah, but it's this like this, this like kind of mysterious magnificent beast in the depths Mm -hmm. that I don't know and I'm like what if all these things that I think about God that he's so easily offended that he's just waiting to send me to hell like what if I what what if I was to say like maybe there's so much that I don't know about God and it just kind of occurred to me I'm like oh I just like thinking of God as Loch Ness like this thing like what I think I know I don't actually know yeah um, and that was just like an image that I was able to like kind of rest and relax in. Um, yeah. Also, you know, we've been talking, we've been using a male pronoun, but yeah. also like thinking of God as mother has been like really helpful yeah. to me. Um, yeah. And then like there's some poetry that I love that I just like read in those moments that um, that I'm, you know, struggling with insecurity. Yeah, and I think like extra biblical text, right? Like things outside of the things. I, I think that it is disappointing that we were taught that just reading the Bible should be a sufficient connection to God. But and and I think you're hitting on it, right? Of like, this is again a whole other theological conversation, right? Mm-hmm. But if we're really how wild it is to believe that God can be encapsulated. In one set of books, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Right, yeah. Uh, which is what the Bible actually is, and like one set of writings, yeah. and being able to seek things outside of that that create a broader understanding. And I and I think we can um, 
there's comfort to be had in other people's attachments. Mm-hmm. Um, Right. I think that's that's huge. I mean, we, we do that. I think that that is one positive that we are taught mm-hmm. um, in evangelical theologies is the idea that, like, well, if Christ is our brother, right, mm-hmm. and we know him and God are tight, like, they're good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we can lean on that and we can model that and we can mm-hmm. say, and I think, you know, like a flip of the traditional theology we're given, which is like, do that, uh-huh. is sort of the like, well, when those those things show up, you can see that as like a marker that you're in a good space mm-hmm. was a like very freeing idea for me mm-hmm. to be like, instead of striving right. to walk on water, if I ever walk on water someday, mm-hmm. I'll know that's a good sign. Yeah. Um, just And so that kind of switches our mindset to just sort of looking for the places God is showing up to us, mm-hmm. right? Instead of looking at like, how do I get close to you? Just sure. kind of switching our heart and eyes mm-hmm. to not be seeking, but to be open to seeing it when it shows up, because I would argue it's happening constantly, mm-hmm. right? right? Yeah. One thing that I, that I, an exercise that I think can be really helpful, although if you have like some anxiety about theology but just being like, what is it that you would want most to believe about God oh. that would help you feel relaxed and secure? And I would say, like, for one, just naming that is so important. And for two, I I, I like the idea of, like, bringing that to him. Yeah. Um, because I, I always believe that he is better than I imagine. Yeah. And so, Because yeah. if God is person in many ways also bigger and broader but if god is person then we can have conversation (laughs) Uh, right um and i think we have so much anxiety about doubt in the Mm -hmm. church um in the christian church that there's no i'm just thinking about like well why would you be anxious to do that and being like yeah because you were taught that you can't mm-hmm. want god to be different because the truth is i do i do believe very firmly that if what you want if you, what you start out wanting right uh-huh. is like well i want god to tell me it's okay to sleep with my boyfriend before we get married like that's what i want god to tell me that's not what i want from god he's uh-huh. not a thumbs up on that that's not what i want like right. that's, uh-huh. that's not the question i'm asking if i right. actually like pursue that idea mm-hmm. and what is it that i'm pursuing and i won't lead any of you down a road of, of deciding what it is that you're pursuing through that um, right. question. But we often start out with a problem. Mm-hmm. This is huge and anxious attachment, right? right? Of like, I have a problem, but the problem's not the problem. Right. Right? Yeah. The problem isn't that you didn't clean the kitchen. That's not the problem. Right. The problem is what I'm hearing, right? Mm-hmm. The problem is the message I'm getting from you through this experience of rejection that I'm mm-hmm. getting. Um and God is never rejecting us. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we're experiencing rejection, then we can start to have yeah more of a conversation mm-hmm. with them about what is that, mm-hmm. right? And where am I? And what do I need? And like your process isn't too. God's not going to break up with you because right. you say you're scared, right? Like mm-hmm. that's not that's actually not a fear that we need to bring into our relationship with God. Right, yeah. But it's a very real fear that we do bring in. Uh-huh, right, yeah. Yeah, so maybe it's like, God, I I really 
you know, I'm, I'm scared that if I hold the wrong theology on this, say like I'm a universalist. Yeah. Right. That like, that you're going to be mad at me. Right. And like, what is it I want to believe about God? I want to believe that like, even if I believe the wrong thing, you're not mad at me. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot around universalism, but. <laughs> well. So I was like. Yes. <laughs> so, but, um, but yeah, I think that's a great like place to start. It makes me think a lot about my work with couples. Like we don't just try to like fix it. Like we don't try to just make things better. We actually talk about like what's the pain here. Yeah. Right. The pain is like I feel like you don't like me or I feel like I don't matter to you. And you actually bring – I help them bring that to their partner so that their partner can respond. Yeah. Because if you're always doing the like you didn't clean the di- – like you didn't wash the dishes, then the partner doesn't actually get the chance to say like I matter. Yeah. They're just like trying to keep you happy. Oof, and that's the biggest thing with so much conflict management is that nobody, and this isn't true of God exactly, right? (laughs) Um, But when it comes to people, somebody doesn't know what you have a problem with unless you tell them. Mm -hmm. Um, I tell this to employees all the time of like, I'm just going to assume everything. This is my like anti, my anxious attachment stuff of like, Uh I'm just going to assume everything's fine unless you tell me otherwise. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll check in cause you know, I'm still right, me, yeah. but <laughs> right, yeah. I'm still, uh, I still totally make sure things are okay, but kind of right. sending out that message of like, it's, y- you have to communicate to me if something's a problem mm-hmm. because we can't talk about it if we're not talking about it. Right. Um, and in a lot of ways that is still true with kind of like, well, you can't talk about it unless you're talking about it. And we do have conflict with God. Mm. Um, and I don't think I just got struck by lightning for saying so like we we do we experience a lot of conflict in our relationship with god because we're relating mm-hmm. and relating includes conflict mm-hmm. conflict is not an evil inherently right? right um and so we do have conflict there and we cannot sort it I think that some of the moments I have felt closest to god have been the moments where i've been like i don't like what you just did uh-huh. um because there is, honestly, I feel like I experienced some sort of uh-huh. like maybe miraculous experience of being like, oh, I like kind of felt the like, mm-hmm. okay, you right. know? Yeah. Um, and I never could have felt that way if I hadn't just been willing to be like, I am so mad at you mm-hmm. and all of your choices and I'm done. I'm right. out. Like, uh-huh. I need to not talk to you for a week or whatever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> just being honest about what's happening. Uh-huh. Um, and God's good. Like, God's mm-hmm. good to go. So, like, you mm-hmm. don't need to stress that part. Right. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I think there's, yeah, there's obviously so much. And, you know, we, we don't, I feel like there are, there are so many ways that uh, attachments are being healed yeah to god and that's like yeah looks different for a lot of different people yeah, it it's always really beautiful to hear those different stories and I, so we don't have all the answers just a lot of them but the other thing that i think <laughs> is so that's so great about this is just being able to like identify like this is like so this is the way that humans respond when we're not sure if we can trust, yeah. right? Or like if we've been told like it's up to you to monitor the relationship, you are going to feel anxious. You are going to feel resentful. And I think for me it was so helpful to be like, oh, this is like 
this is in some part like what my my nervous system does. Yes. And so this feel this like it gave me words for these these feelings towards God. Yeah. That's what I love about attachment science is it's like here's this framework that's like oh here's this thing I've been kind of carrying my whole life that the church never gave me words for. Yeah, and I would hope also for some freedom to go this is neutrally, like value neutral, the mm-hmm. way that I am. Mm-hmm. And so how do I interact within the truth of who I am? Mm-hmm. And if we bring theology back into that going like, God wired you, mm-hmm. <laughs> like within your experiences, which uh-huh. helps it, but like, so you're inherently acceptable, right? You're right. inherently created mm-hmm. by the same one who's interested in accepting you. Because mm-hmm. um, God isn't like our biological parents who also in some ways created us, but right. we don't necessarily know if we're going to be acceptable to. Right. Um, yeah, there's just this. I think that that's a great, mm-hmm. you're making a great point. Yeah. As you do from time to time. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. So next episode, we will talk about avoidant attachment. And we'll sit really far from each other uh-huh. with back-to-back <laughs> avoid. Right. It'll be a really weird podcast because... <laughs> that would be... That would be... We're not going to do it. We're not doing that. <laughs> I was trying to make an avoidant attachment joke and I, it didn't Here really play out. Right. <laughs> Yeah, we will. Well, I'm like, what are some good avoidant attachment jokes? We didn't have any anxious attachment jokes, so that's no. Right. We just had life experience, so right, we have to right. like come back with somebody else's life experience on being right. avoidant. Don't worry, I have both. Oh, okay, good, good, good. <laughs> I'm both ambivalent and avoidant. I read the book attached, and I was like, wait, but all these things describe me. I always feel more like when people talk about the like, well, that anxious attachment that's like, well, what I need, what you need for us to be good is for me to like pretend that I'm not feeling things, Mm -hmm. but then also to show up and always be feeling good, happy things. Uh Yeah. That's me. Um, Here we go. Um, Your wife actually posted an Enneagram thing about like, you know, like the, like my gift is this, but I'm Uh like, I'm loved and accepted Mm. even when I don't. Mm -hmm. And I like clicked it and the seven one one was like my gift is joy and i'm loved and accepted even when i don't mm-hmm. i'm like <laughs> <laughs> shut up instagram uh, right. anyway yeah we should end this podcast yeah it's about time okay how do we do that um <laughs> yeah we're let's see let me think about for a minute uh, yeah we're really excited about jumping into avoidant attachment next till next time bye This is an area code podcast.